0: We express our praise and gratitude to Allah Ta'ala and we say blessings upon the Prophet. Sallallahu alayhi wa Alrighty. So you're all back for yet another round of either joy or torture, depending upon how you want to look at it, inshaAllah. And so we are in uh, we are moving a little bit more quickly now through through Ali Imran. As you saw, we went through a number of ayas uh, in a row in the last couple of days. And so now let us continue forward and I'll pull up the screen. So once again, Nod, let me know you can see the. Uh, okay, very good. All right, so we started with this ayah, Zuina Lidnas. So beautified for the people is the love of these desirable things. And so we spoke. Uh, uh, we spoke about women, children, gold and silver treasures piled high up, horses with the fine markings, livestock, farmland, and one of the points we were making: if we were to first address just the historical context, we said that the Quran is speaking to a very specific audience at the time. This is speaking primarily uh, uh, to the men of the hijaz. And then from there, we said, what's common among all of these, that when we put them together, they are symbols of status and power, that they are symbols of agency. Having, whether we're talking about the the love of women, the love of children, having many children, gold and silver treasures, horses, the equivalent of horses today would be what? Cars. It would be cars or it might be horses and so wow. definitely cars Airborne. but think of think of uh i'm so, yeah, so, well it could also be airplanes as well so it could be uh, the the these various tools of transportation but even think the type of status that horses have today that uh i had a colleague who is an ismaili and he would tell me these stories about how the aga khan and such and such emirati king would you know they'd be racing each other's horses and they'd be cutting deals saying okay i'll give you this if you give me if you'd give me you know such and such horse but yeah and then livestock and farmland and so here is land and the 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 tilling of land which is a big thing and then now continuing where we left off so these are the joys of this life and the word is mata hayat dunya This word mata is interesting because it's sort of like provision, sort of like tool and sort of like enjoyment all at the same time. And so, so, so from there, the point then is what? That here we're not talking about that which is haram or anything that part of the purpose in this world, part of the function of the design of this world is joy. So as an exercise, this you don't have to share with us. As an exercise, if you were to make a list of the same amount of things that we have here, one, two, three, four, five, six things. So five things, six things what are the joys of your life and the catch here is don't mention specific things like my wife my child but okay. speak of it in the general sense and and so ask yourself what are the things that you enjoy in this dunya i know one yes watching mahan and umar in the same time (laughs) that is that might be malahad's paradise it's like yeah as long
1: as as long as kazi sahib is not here
0: (laughs) yeah we haven't seen him for a while yeah because my joy is watching dr kazi and malahad tease each other (laughs) so so the point here is Think of what are the joys that you that you find in this life but the deeper question is what is it that those that those things give you right So you all know how much I enjoy movies okay. um, although I've sort of been weaning myself off in general just because I feel like I've seen everything to be seen but uh, if I try to figure out what is it that they give me okay one is a deeper taste of the human experience. Okay. That if I had the capability of reading novels as much as I watch movies, then I would probably do the same. Uh, and then another thing is essentially just, you know, the separation from, from the world that I'm in. You know, and I'm, I'm not equating that with escapism, but part of it is, but, the, but those things. Or the joy of a beautifully framed photograph. That, I don't know if I can figure out what joy that gives me. You know, so there's some films where the cinematography is so astounding that uh, uh, that I just, I can't, I don't want to blink. But I don't know specifically what is the nature of that joy. But if you make a list of about five things, six things, ten things, then look and see what would be common among them. So do that as, as an exercise. You, like I said, you don't have to share with us. But if you want to discuss with me to try to figure yourself out, uh, I'm happy to, to get into the conversation with you. Okay. And so then, as we know, the then the ayah continues by saying, these are the joys of this life, but Allah has the best place to return to. Wallahu and the who, so with Allah, ma'ab. Ma'ab is another one of those interesting words because it's often a place that you return to, but sort of as a place of relaxation and enjoyment. Like sometimes you'll see it translated as a resort. So putting these two points together, <clears throat> what, is the, what is the comparison? That there are indeed joys in this world. And they are legitimate joys. So, for example, did the prophet, peace be upon him, have favorite things? Anyone? What would be an example of anything that the prophet considered to be favorite or liked? His cat? Perf- Perfume? Perfume. So wait, he had a cat? I mean, I'm forgetting things now.
2: Yeah, it well, M- yeah. was
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he know. had a cat. Okay, yeah, so maybe. And there it's- was like
2: there was like a thing about how he wouldn't even move if the cat was asleep on his robe he would just go out without a robe on like it, mm-hmm. it, it remained remain cold
0: yeah rather than so, disturb his cat maybe maybe we'll, we'll credit to fasting brain but okay yeah mashallah so he has his cat and then what did you i uh, uh, would say a uh, he liked good smells perfumes yeah 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 uh, yeah Sadia, he he enjoyed uh gulping down honey uh iqbal what were you gonna say
3: yeah, I think also uh, uh, women also like
0: he yeah. daughters and yeah, or does I mean he didn't qualify it by saying daughters or anything, but yes, women and among his wives, he had favorite wives. Then and so the point is uh, that that he who is of as high of a spiritual level as a person can be, he had favorite things in this. dunya. what about the other side? Did he have things in this dunya that he didn't like? And I'm not talking about things like gopher, Like, you know, did he, uh, are, things that, are there things that he didn't like? He yeah,
3: didn't like to I eat mean. lizard? A certain type of lizard?
0: Yeah, yeah. There's a, there's a type of lizard that the, the Arabs would eat and he wouldn't eat it and they thought it was haram and he said, no, no, it's fine if you eat it. I just don't like it. Uh, Dr. Mahan, what were you going to say? Garlic, but I...
1: I see onions also in the chat.
0: Garlic yeah, like and onions, is it that he didn't like it or he just cautioned us against against like eating it because it disturbs the angels?
1: Yeah, during before you go for prayer. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that was it.
0: And so yeah, so for an example, for example, there are some foods that are 100% halal that he didn't like eating. And so so consider that in terms of the manifestation or the expression of spirituality that often we imagine it as something completely disconnected from the joys of this world, that my only joy is proximity to Allah, Allah. And no, these are things that the Prophet peace Allah, enjoyed very much. And there are things that are completely halal that he did not enjoy. And so same thing, if I were to ask you to make a list of the things that you do not like, and and I don't mean like conceptual things like I don't like oppression. No, I mean, you know, are there particular foods? Me, liver, no thanks, brain, no thanks. But, I don't know, I told somebody the story. I was uh, I was with a bunch of uncles and someone walked in and said that he brought some some delicatessen for us to eat. And they asked him, What is this? And I could have sworn he said morga but I wasn't sure if it was morl, i.e. chicken, or mohaz. And in my head, I was saying, please say morl. Please say. Please make it be more Please make it be morg. Because all these uncles, I know what they're going to do. And they did it. They said, OK, I was after you eat first, because I was like the youngest guy among them. And they're all looking at me with these big grin, because they can't wait to have some of their own. And it was brain. Just say, it's been a while since i had brain, and I don't miss it. Um, yeah, Um
4: Have you heard about this ring that the Prophet ﷺ, really, really liked and he would wear it all the time and probably he would be touching it when talking to people and then one time he noticed that um, I don't remember who gave that to him but uh, one time he noticed that uh, people he was talking to they were getting distracted by it so he took it off uh, but that was one of the favorite things. Have you heard about that story?
0: Again, chances are I have, but at this moment I'm forgetting. Other people sound familiar. Yeah, and there was there was
2: also a thing about how uh, his like the Sahaba noticed he was wearing a ring, and so the next day they all showed up with the same ring. Mm-hmm. And then when he showed up without it, they saw it, and the next day they all showed up without the ring.
0: Is that the same ring?
2: Yeah, Sadio? yeah.
4: That's that's that sounds more right. Yeah.
2: And, and I think that actually goes to the point of this, right? Is that not not everything someone wears or does is necessarily an expression of like obligation or, or uh, favor or anything like that, right?
0: Is that you can just have stuff you like. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so think about this uh, again, because it is a very common issue in terms of the way we try to express our own spirituality is this feeling that I should be completely detached from everything. That is not our tradition. It is in our tradition that you enjoy things of the dunya. But finishing the point off, that with Allah is the best place of return, that you're still always understanding that with Allah is even higher pleasure. Which then leads us into the very next ayah, where the prophet peace be upon was even prescribed to say, or the reader is being prescribed to say, would you like me to tell you of things that are better than all of this? Yeah. Okay. And so Allah ta'ala will give okay, to the people of taqwa, those here who are mindful of God, gardens, grace with flowing streams, where they will stay with pure spouses and God's good pleasure. God is fully aware of his servants. Now think of this as three levels of joy. One level of joy is the joy of ownership of luxurious things. And so that's the gardens beneath which rivers flow. And then a second level of joy, which for some people will be a higher level of joy is pure companionship. And here it's Azwajal mutahara. So here it's gender inclusive. So even though in the previous ayah, we said that the the Quran is speaking in a particular audience, and then we have references to the fair maiden virgins and such in Surah Surah Rahman and Surah Al-Waqi'ah, there it seems like it's speaking primarily to men, heterosexual men here, we can say it's gender inclusive. So one level, you're getting the gardens beneath which rivers flow. Second, you're getting pure companionship. How do you understand pure companionship as opposed to impure?
3: Any thoughts?
1: I guess I think the way I think of it is where you bring out the best in each other rather mm-hmm. than drag each
0: other down. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, uh, awesome.
2: Um, I would think it's it's uh, like unconditional, mm-hmm. right? That it's not like I don't know the the or the word for it is like matlabi, which is like like. Um,
0: so Matlab is uh, the statistics software. N- no, you're better than
2: that. Yeah, uh, <laughs> um, but it's like uh, you know having having an agenda for being for for companionship. So Beyond it, just the companionship itself.
0: It seems, I mean, in terms of whatever I could gather, that the keyword word here is, is ultra-loyalty, which is, again, close to what Asim is saying, and, and I like the way that uh, that Mahan described it. So, and so you'll have pure companionship, and then the third level, higher level, is the redah of Allah. And, and so what is the highest pleasure that a human being can experience? The highest pleasure that a human being can experience is the pleasure in paradise of seeing God. And that is often akin to the pleasure of God itself. And so the people at the lowest level of paradise will experience that. And the people at the highest level of paradise will experience that. But if we're saying that the difference between two levels of paradise is like the difference between the earth and the nearest star, try to let your mind even try to comprehend the lowest level of paradise, witnessing the highest level of joy a person can experience seeing Allah. And then what would that possibly mean? One level above what to think of the highest level of paradise. And that is the greatest joy that a human can experience. So now having said that, (coughs) look at the attribute or the description of Allah in this ayah. Allahu basirum bil ibad. Allah is basir. He is all seeing, all seeing of his servants. Connect that with what we just had in this ayah and or the ayah before it. In contrast to if we said Allah is Adil with His companions, Allah is Rahman with his, Allah with is Adil with His servants, Allah is Rahman with His servants, and so here it says Basir. Try to connect the description of Allah with what we have in the Sahih.
5: Well, I guess um, in I have 14, all of those, um, all those things listed are things that we would see others as having. So the competition, Mm -hmm. I guess, is in, uh, you know, seeing so-and-so has a horse, uh, uh, this many children. Mm -hmm. um, And then kind of, I guess, in I have 15, it's taking it to the next levels, letting us know that God is aware of everything at all times.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if that's... Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, so so there at least we're saying that uh, perhaps we can use Basir interchangeably with Khabir, aware, right? Perhaps interchangeably with samia, And then our goal is to try to connect it even further with Basir. Yeah, Mahan. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, so what I'm thinking is, you know, we have all of these uh, innate... And likes and dislikes. And you always have to prioritize things in life. And you're also struggling with what to give up in order to do good things. And um, so God knows what every individual is struggling with more than another mm-hmm. as they try to make their way to this Ridwan. Mm-hmm.
0: So similar. The, 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 that perhaps Basir, Khabir, and Samia could be used interchangeably here, you know, that Mm -hmm. he is aware of what you're going through and he's aware how you compare to each other. And those three attributes generally seem throughout the Quran to be interchangeable, right? That he is all seeing, he's all hearing, and he is all aware. Okay, so now, <laughs> having said that, uh, yeah, please. as like alaykum. Wa So
3: also like the first thing that comes to mind is that all of these things are intuitive, right? But Allah is watching you as you strive for them and you procure them and how you're acting and engaging
0: with these. Want and desires. So, if we were to speak of, on that note, if we were to speak of uh, uh, being aware, you know, in terms of what we speak of as Allah being all aware as khabir and all seeing, do you feel like one is closer than the other? Meaning, if Allah is all aware of your condition, my condition, versus Allah's all seeing of your condition, my condition, which one feels closer? To, to me, seeing.
3: Yeah.
5: It's just, I mean, so. if I think of myself as being aware of what's behind me,
0: uh-huh.
5: uh, you know, I'm aware of it, but it's, it's, I guess, more intimate to behold it with my eyes.
0: Yeah. It's oh, so aware. As though... Aware oh, feels closer to me. Okay. Why?
2: Um, because, uh, seeing like, like to me, seeing is experiencing something with one sense, okay. Whereas if I'm aware of something, I'm experiencing it with more than one sense, okay.
0: Okay, and so, see, is your hand newly up or is it up from before? Okay, I'll take it down. So, okay, so, uh, in both your cases, if we shift it from you yourself seeing something versus being aware to Allah seeing because it's basir, so it's all seeing. So let's imagine every single possible eye is looking and beyond that, you know, versus all aware, does one feel closer?
2: I still think aware feels closer
0: to me. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. We're at late. Late, you still feel basir feels closer.
5: Yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, I think yep. it still does,
0: yeah. Saudi, sure. so do you say Khabir, why Khabir?
4: Um, being aware of everything, it, it, it includes everything, seeing, hearing, you know, it kind of is like a full knowledge of my whole condition. Mm-hmm. Um, so that sounds more intimate to me, more, yeah, that's that speaks to me more.
0: Okay, all right. Yeah, Uh, Tosi, if you're about to speak.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think for me it would be Basir. Um, Does Khabir, when I hear that um, attribute, I think of um, also other elements and qualities as Mm -hmm. um, like he's being informed, like maybe like the angels are informing him, even though he already knows, Mm
0: -hmm.
3: you know, but then there's something more direct about Basir.
0: Sure,
3: sure. I don't know, this is
0: just... My own. No, I mean, uh, I definitely don't think it's wrong. You know, the point of the exercise is we're seeing what are these, how do we, uh, how do we interpret and how do we receive these attributes? And then how do we connect these attributes to what's in the passage? Yeah, Mahan.
1: No, it just, I think it's been voiced. Like the Basir, you can see it both ways. Um, Khabir tends to have a more universal quality. Mm -hmm. Basir uh, can allow you. I, it seems to me the way, at least I, I, I'm reading it. It allows for that contingency, and so when you're looking at individual people with their circumstances and their likes and dislikes, God can see that, and naturally it, it you know, it's connected to his awareness. But I think it's this most more contingent aspect of our existence that being highlighted here.
0: Okay, so use a word less philosophical than contingent here, because the contingent is a very loaded term in terms of philosophy.
1: (laughs) You know, um, meaning that there there are, we we're situated, we're in particular circumstances and contexts. And so, you know, you can make general statements about things, but when you get into a particular situation, there's always nuances. And so, God is watching those particularities in our likes and our dislikes. And that both is taken into account when we live our lives. And so, to, here's, I'll give, you, I'll give you an example. So, confronted with the same circumstance, And I can't think of a particular circumstance. Two people may do two different things. Um, Now, we define virtue maybe in a universal way, but in those two different things that may even seem opposite things, both people could be acting virtuously. Mm -hmm. But on the outside, we wouldn't be able to see that. But God can see that because he knows what every one of them is an individual is struggling with is different. So that's the basir.
0: So this would be like, for the example of Khidr, and the things he was doing in front of Musa salam, mm-hmm. things that looked not virtuous. Yeah,
1: yeah, but God sees that.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, late.
5: So I just had a, I had a question because I, I don't know if I'm making this up or if it's a hadith, but um, that the angels take up the news of the good deeds to Allah, whatever you know, whatever that means. But at the same time, Allah knows. The deeds as they happen and before they happen and so on and so forth so is there like a, a an attribute of kind of, of this idea of news attached to khabir that it's something being
0: if we're if we're really getting into the theology of the different names then uh, khabir would definitely be associated with news right but at the level you're speaking about that's beyond me yeah. but it follows yeah. So, okay, any other thoughts, reflections about what seems closer that Allah is all aware or that Allah is seeing? For me, seeing seems closer to me. You know, that uh, that if, uh, if we're saying that Allah is aware of what I do versus Allah seeing what I do, then that uh, uh, I feel the sense that Allah is present. Based on Basir. But yeah, that is that is how I regard it. So in order, the, the word for news is khabar, sounds like the same. Yeah, this is and that's coming from Arabic, if you know. And in fact, one of the one of the terms used for the hadith sciences is literally it's it's the khabar tradition. And so you'll see some commentaries that focus that way. But yeah. Okay. Okay, very good. So now uh, in fact, 528. Okay, we won't do this today, but tomorrow we're going to add to our list of the attributes of Allah that we have so far. Uh, but going back to this, again, we're speaking of these, these three levels. One level is this level of ownership of luxury, the gardens beneath which rivers flow. And I've already made the point before that it's speaking to the context of, of Arabs in the desert, whereas if someone is living you know, on, in, in a monsoon, gardens beneath which rivers flow is not gonna be as appealing but this idea of ownership of luxury. And then number two, commonly a higher level, pure companionship. And then number three, the ridah of Allah, the contentment, the satisfaction of Allah. And that is then something that you yourself seek, right? These are all things that we are seeking in dunya. We're seeking some sort of ownership so we can have a home. And then if you have extra means, some sort of luxury, seeking companionship, Right, I've told you that my MSA students, that's one of the M's that they're always talking about. Med school, marriage, uh, Zubi Hamid, and then jinns. Probably not marriage to jinns, but, and then the rida of Allah. How do you have the rida of Allah? What is the equivalent of that in this world? It is to have rida with Allah. Meaning in paradise, the satisfaction, the joy of uh, received from Allah, the equivalent of that in this world, is to have satis- you yourself having satisfaction and joy of Allah. Say what i Yeah, Tosif.
3: So when you mentioned that uh, you, you're making a, a, a direct comparison to basirun al-ibad as well, in the sense that we're gonna have ridah, our ultimate ridah is seeing Allah, mm-hmm. but in this life, Allah is, is watching and seeing us that's the closest we get to Rida. So Rida with uh, with us. Yes, yes. Exactly.
6: Yeah. Yeah, okay.
0: okay. And so then, <clears throat> continuing this point, now we're getting some further foundations of spirituality or growth. Growth in terms of Iman. So, right here. And I'll even start looking up contingent. Okay, so so who are these specific slaves that we're speaking about? Those who say we believe, yapuluna Amanna, and then forgive us, lana forgive us such sins, and then protect us from the fire so what is a step towards developing this towards being those ibads that are in that ayah it is basically to make dua to allah and seek forgiveness and so what is the dua and seeking forgiveness going to give you so so uh first and foremost you know, praying for Allah to reward me versus praying for Allah to forgive me. What does the praying of forgiveness give me in terms of my relationship with Allah? Uh, Hazel, explain further.
3: Meaning by
4: asking for forgiveness, there's a reminder that we are always in need of Allah.
6: I am always in need of Him.
0: Okay. Yeah. Yes, 100% correct. Make it even simpler, anybody. When I'm praying for forgiveness, what am I praying for? I pray for my slate to be cleaned. So that when I'm facing Allah Ta'ala, that anything that would bring me closer to the fire, that's, knocking, that's getting erased. And this is especially relevant as we're entering the final phase of, of Ramadan as well, right? That we're especially praying for, for forgiveness. If all you prayed for was forgiveness of all the things that you pray for, or you could pray for, is that significant? What do y'all think? Many you're encouraged to pray for literally everything down to your suit or your shoelaces. But if all you prayed for was forgiveness, is that sufficient? What do y'all think? So it's all these things, so yes, Jules, saying yes. Anyone want to argue? No. No. Okay. So Kamal like and Sammy say no. Uh, Sammy, why no?
7: So because you're you're being asked by Allah to literally ask for anything. Basically, you're he, he's asking us to ask him to be generous. And so, you know, forgiveness is one of those things that you're kind of like, you know, not that it's it's expected, but it's it's something that, you know, it'll come if you if you ask differently or, you know, you ask, you know, during the month of Ramadan, you ask for forgiveness. You know, when you make dua, mm-hmm. that you, you might get granted, it'll get granted. And if you intend, you know, to repent, it'll get granted. So why limit yourself to something that's just forgiveness? Why not ask for, you know, Something maybe that'll help you in the material life or something that'll help you in the afterlife like there's you can do so much more mm-hmm. with your doigt than just i mean not like just forgiveness but like mm-hmm.
0: use your imagination and be creative i guess if you will and you can even ask him in, in french too right you know but yeah so that's because he speaks french much lot. so 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 the argument you're making is that if all i'm doing is praying for forgiveness then I'm limiting this relationship with Allah. Yeah, Akbar. why are you saying no?
3: Yeah, uh, on top of it, we need ar- is rahmah. So it is required uh, forgiveness, but, uh, but also we, we need to have this so well for eventual success.
0: Okay, so you're saying we should also pray for forgiveness. So what did the Prophet, peace be upon him, uh, prescribe for us in terms of our ambitions In our du'as, that you should have super high ambitions in what you ask of Allah. So you don't ask Allah for paradise, you ask Allah for the top level of paradise. Yeah. And so is it okay that all I do is pray for forgiveness? Sure. But as Sammy said, I'm selling the whole relationship short. If I have the ability to ask for more, then if I ask for the top level of paradise, then we can say forgiveness is assumed. So you ask for everything. And sometimes, you know, ask for this, this day, that, that day, as we all do. But you should have super high aspirations in your relationship with Allah in terms of what you're seeking from Allah. Of course, If I'm sitting in bed not doing anything and I have the full ability to do all kinds of things, I'm saying, "I'll log into, you know, top of the paradise, top of the paradise." That may not be as sincere of a prayer, but don't pray for a passing grade. Pray for the best. What would be the psychological consequences, you think, if, for example, all I prayed for was forgiveness, versus the person who they're praying for? the best of everything. And keep in mind, in both cases, the believer, the worshiper, the supplicator is acknowledging that Allah has full authority and freedom to do whatever he wills. What do you think? So we have person number one, we'll call him Basim. And so Basim is is praying for for forgiveness in all of his prayers. Person number two, we'll call him Bami. And Bami is praying for the top level of Jannah. Both are making those prayers. Psychologically, what do you think would be the consequence of both? And then we have Abdullah says it depends on your opinion of Allah. Is wrathful for is generous? Yeah, I think there would be something there that it is indicating something about how I regard Allah. Well, what else? What I think else it also like yes,
7: Demi. I think it also speaks to your overall outlook on life because if you're you know if your idea is I have to pray every single time, I have to pray for forgiveness every single time, I have to you know ask for for for, for mercy. That's kind of implying that, and kind of like what Bill was saying about like graphical versus generous, like I have to do literally everything. Kind of like what we were talking about earlier with like the the um, you know, like like everything, not everything is like specifically religious in in a certain way. Um, you know, like not everything is like exactly, you know, we can like onions or we can dislike onions. Um, but 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 I think like that the kind of idea that like everything is on a knife's edge. And if you don't do exactly everything perfectly, you're not going to have it. Mm-hmm. Um, this, and versus, you know, this idea that, you know, if you do your, like like, like being hopeful of it, that inshallah, you know, I will get to the highest of heaven and I will get the best of this life and the best of next, the next life. You know, knowing that that's, you know, not going to come completely for granted or come, you know, with, with, with you know, nothing else attached to it. Um, but this kind of idea of like, like you know, there is more than just you know like scraping by with the passing grade of forgiveness and rahma to the lowest level of paradise. You can aspire for more.
0: Okay. Uh, awesome.
2: Yeah, I think the person praying for, uh, uh, for the highest levels of paradise and stuff, that person is inherently more hopeful. I think their outlook is inherently more hopeful and the person constantly pl- praying for forgiveness. Their outlook is inherently
0: more fearful. That, that seems to be like that'll be the consequence. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the point that I'm leading to is when you and I are speaking to Allah, uh, we're also speaking to ourselves. And we're also speaking about ourselves. So there'll be those days where you feel completely depleted completely exhausted, and all you're asking is, yeah, Allah, just give me a break, right? And should you pray that prayer? Yeah, you should. If that's the prayer you feel most appropriate praying, that's the prayer you make. But the point is that not only are you speaking to Allah when you're making a dua, you are also expressing intentionally or unintentionally your condition. So, Like when I'm lifting up my hands, if I'm holding my hands like this, you know, yeah, Allah, then what am I doing? I'm basically asking and I'm offering. And if I'm holding my hands like this, metaphorically, what am I doing? It's as though I'm holding a mirror to my heart. And so, evaluate the du'as that you ask. When you're speaking to Allah, I'm suggesting you're also sharing, not just with Allah, but with yourself, your condition in that moment. It could be glee, it could be exhilaration, it could be exhaustion, it could be fear, and it becomes a type of self-programming, you know, where you start reinforcing a sense in your thinking. And this is one of the aspects, the mo- one of the more basic aspects in, in terms of how avkar dhikrs work, you know, especially if you know the meanings of them. That if you're making, you know, a repetition of You know, let's say just the last surah of the Quran, praying to Allah for protection from shaitan, effectively, you know, from the whispers. Um, And that's what you keep saying. Inshallah, you'll get the prayers be heard and answered. Inshallah, you'll be rewarded for the simple fact of submitting to Allah and asking. But you are also speaking to yourself. You are also conducting what we would call self-programming. And so think about this when you are considering whatever du'as you are making. Uh, uh Ahant. You know,
8: that was like sort of reflecting uh, 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 sort of when you were going through all of that. Is there such a thing as too much hope where in terms of how you make your du'as or the quantity in which you uh, make your du'as, uh, I feel like I feel like wouldn't you want to aim for like a balance in terms of you know asking for more versus you know you know you know asking for forgiveness?
0: Okay, so regarding your last question, <clears throat> should you have a balance in terms of asking for more versus asking for forgiveness? Nah, I think it's because we're speaking about the Creator of all, whose bounty is unlimited that you are perfectly fine in asking for the best of everything. But when does it become too much hope? When it's false hope. But to explain that first, let's look at this drawing. So we have this midpoint. We have hope over here. We have fear over here. Here. Fear. So you can be at a balance point in terms of your hope and fear when you are thinking of your own judgment on the day of judgment you should have both hope and fear right that uh uh mahan what is uh i literally just said it like two days ago in class what is ghazali's line if you're the only if you're the only person going to paradise no, no no if you found out that only one person is going to hell you should have the fear that that's you and if you were to find out that only one person is going to heaven, you should have the hope that that's you. And when you think of your own specific salvation or damnation, you should have a balance of fear and hope. If you have one more than the other, if you have more hope than fear, you should also seek forgiveness to help uh, restart the fear. If you have more fear than hope, you should say something like alhamdulillah you've just improved your status yeah. when you speak of your dunya when you're imagining your future meaning when you're imagining what does allah have in store for you your default should be hope because of how much he repeats rahmah. when you are thinking of how you're going to respond to what allah has in store for you you should have a little bit you should have a default of more fear than hope because you're gonna fall short. Then we still have the option for seeking forgiveness for all of this. So, and this is an exercise some of you have done with me before. What do you call someone who has so much hope that they have no fear whatsoever? Meaning, if you're on this spectrum, no matter where I am, uh, hope has fear built into it, fear has uh, hope built into it, right? I fear this will happen, I hope it will not. I hope this will happen, I fear this will not. What do you call hope with no fear?
2: Arrogance.
0: Say it again? Arrogance. Well, not necessarily a bad thing. Certainty. Arrogance I would call false hope. And then what would we call fear that has absolutely no hope in it?
6: Paralyzing?
0: I mean, that would be a consequence. Despair. Despair. Yeah. It's, yeah. A,
1: it's a different kind of certainty. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it is. And despair is the plight of Shaitan, right? That's literally his name, Iblis. The one who has despaired and separated himself from everyone. And so we, number one, even if I don't feel like I have very much hope, I don't have the privilege of despair. I must always have hope, even if all I have is to tell myself to have hope. Now, of course, if there's someone in the middle of a genocide, I'm not going to walk up to that person and say, "You know, you still need to have hope." Why you? You know, but the point is that, when we are in a position to actually think about these things, that uh, I can be anywhere on this screen, except here. But when I'm praying for Allah, I should be over here. Or I'm praying to Allah, I should be over here. Because I'm already going with, if you think of all that we've said about Allah so far, I'm already going with the attitude that Allah is free to do whatever he wills. He is in no need of me. I'm in complete need of him. And pray for the best. So then I said, I said uh-huh, that the, the too much hope is false hope. And that is the hope when you're praying for a du'a, but if it doesn't get answers, you lose hope. You lose hope then that's not really hope. Okay, so, once you raise your hand. Uh, Ahant, and then Olfat, and then Saudi, and then awesome. Yeah, Ahant.
8: So what I was sort of like, you know, going for earlier was...
0: Hey, Ahant, uh, you're kind of muffled. I'm having trouble hearing it.
8: Okay, how about now?
0: Oh, mashallah. Mashallah. the <laughs> sound, 5.1 dolby. Oh, yeah, go ahead.
8: Alhamdulillah. Um, so what I was going for sort of uh sort of earlier is and i see uh this in myself is in terms of the quantity like of the duas you know you know i feel like you know like having as much hope uh sort of as you can is good but sort of wouldn't that you know psychologically like you know like lead to uh like neglecting like you know duas for forgiveness or or like, or forgetting them or not like placing like as much importance if you, if you lean sort of, you know, like too far to one side of the scale.
0: I mean, I would say sure in a hypothetical sense, but as soon as we make it real world, the moment you commit a sin that should compel the need for forgiveness or the moment you, you don't do as well of something as you should or could, then that should see, that should compel you to seek forgiveness. So I'm saying, yeah, in a hypothetical sense, if I'm so focused on hope, I might forget the need to seek forgiveness. But again, positioning ourselves real world, looking at yourself, your own condition, and then if you do something, let's say you get really angry, then you seek forgiveness. See what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Make sense? Yeah. Okay, inshallah. Uh, all
4: Uh, I didn't understand the self-programming part when it comes to du'a. I get it when it comes to dhikr, but not du'a.
0: Okay, so explain to me how it works in terms of dhikr.
4: Like the adhkar we make has um, an effect on our hearts.
0: Okay, so let's say uh, I'm prescribed to say Ya Rahman a hundred times after every prayer. This is a very common adhkar. What would be the self-programming effect that that has on me? Uh-huh, hopefully. So hopefully I'll have much more consciousness of the rahmah of Allah. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: So now let's say uh let's say that's not something that I've been taught to do, but I'm praying to Allah, you know, Ya Allah, I'm struggling so much. Can you help me? Okay, very sincere Allah. Ya Allah, nothing seems seems to be working in my life. And think of how that changes if I change the wording. To something much more empowered so let's say the text of my dua this is a question for anyone let's say that what i feel compelled to say is yeah allah nothing is working in my life please help me okay so so let's say that is the dua i feel you know that's coming from my heart should i say it yeah hundred percent so question to anyone what would be a more empowered way to make the same dua.
3: Add some more attributes before you ask.
0: Okay, give me the words. So like, Ya Ya Rahim, Ya and then... And then nothing then is working in my life. Please help me. Yes. Okay. okay, Malahat, that's not a... Give me the actual words. Anyone? Okay, seriously, man. Okay. Salawat and the prophet, peace be upon him. All right. Anyone, take that dua. Maybe we should make that your homework for tomorrow. Take that dua. Ya Allah, nothing is working in my life. Please help me. Could you just just
5: make it kind of the inverse and say, Allah make everything work perfectly in my in my life, you know, forever and always?
0: Okay. So what if we do You think? Or even simpler?
6: How about tafalu kama tashat or and tashat?
0: Okay. So that's still reinforcing that Allah can do whatever He wants. Give me uh, more to the dua, Asma.
6: So, and this is more, I think, trying to have contentment of recognizing. You know, as opposed to a woe is me, nothing is working, mm-hmm. but it's like um mm-hmm. like a recognition of there's gotta be a reasoning why you're putting me in this position. Ah,
0: so if you add that, right? Keep going.
6: Yeah, this is really good, Ammar. I <laughs> <laughs> I, this is very so you're saying
0: answer. you're saying to Allah, yeah, Allah, you you can do whatever you want, you can debase whatever you want, you can elevate whomever whomever you want, uh, but if uh, I'm understanding in my heart when I'm saying that that there's a wisdom behind what you're doing, yeah, so now there's more, yeah, and so because uh, it could I could easily uh, say the same thing in the opposite way, you know that you do whatever you want you debase whatever you want you uh you elevate whoever whoever you want but in my heart I'm thinking well you want to debase me then notice how hugely different those two meanings are
6: I I'd like to push a little bit further I'm not sure about recognition of to the loop like you're debasing me but recognition that it's either or and Mm -hmm a recognition of I'm uncomfortable and mm-hmm. elevate me from this uncomfortability. Mm-hmm.
0: And so so now we're getting closer to what the person is meaning versus what they believe they should be saying. And so what I posted, my Lord, I'm in need of any good you send down to me. Whose dua is that? That's the dua of Musa, peace be upon him. Yeah. When he is in rock bottom, right? He's on the run. You know, Pharaoh's people are going after him because of the of the murder. He has no food, no nothing. He he comes across these people taking their 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 sheep to the the water and sees these girls who need some help. He helps them. Then he makes his dua. And so, so so back to your question, Ulfat, Does it make sense? Does it sort of make sense how a dua becomes self programming?
4: So it's how I word the dua.
0: Yeah, and the wording. Uh, includes, what do I mean by that? So in Asma's example, I could literally say those same words. One person can say to mean, you know, that, okay, I accept Allah, you're free to do whatever you want. Another person might interpret that to say that, well, Allah, you have chosen to debase me.
3: I'm
6: not sure there's any base to the words. I'm sorry. The First, that's honestly just from my own. I'm not sure if there's any basis of the first three words. I know, yeah. but the mm-hmm. I'm I don't that's from my own no, personal thought, I mean, right? I'm not sure if there's any tradition based on those three yeah, words.
0: It sounds, uh, uh, it sounds very, very pious, so works for me, but yeah, I'm sorry, thought you were saying something.
4: So what I'm, what I'm hearing still is how I'm feeling inside. It's not that how I phrase that right it will then affect how I'm feeling inside.
0: So I'm saying both are going to affect you. Okay. One is the words you yourself are saying and the meanings that you give those words. It becomes reinforcement on how you feel.
4: Okay, thank you.
0: Now, if you say it once, it's not going to change anything. Like there's a whole funny episode of, of, of Seinfeld. Where, you know, to, to cure themselves, these guys all start saying serenity now, serenity now, serenity now. And part of the joke at the end is that it doesn't work. It makes people more crazy. And, and, but what I am saying is that there is an impact in terms or there's an illustration of, of what we mean by the choices that we have in the words we say. And we can also affect ourselves by the type of, of, of vocabulary that we use. Yeah, and so I'm saying that's an aspect where dua is like azkar.
7: Thank
0: you. And uh, Sadi, you had a question.
4: Oh, did I? I almost forgot. Um, um, Actually, uh, no. um, uh, You already addressed that point of uh, being in the middle. That is what I wanted to add, but... With uh, with another addition that um, oftentimes um, you know too much hope or I shouldn't even use the word too much uh, we can become complacent. Um, So and um, like somebody else said that the fear can be paralyzing and so as long as um, it doesn't whatever that is either the fear or the hope. It doesn't make us either complacent or uh, paralyzing, um, and we, we remain aware of what we are doing, regardless of the outlook, then I think um, that that should work, um, whichever outlook anyone chooses to have. Um, but the rest of it you already addressed, so I, I mean, like a little bit of both was my, my reflection that it has to be a little bit of both. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it's probably not gonna work for the long term.
0: Mm-hmm. Fair enough, fair enough. Uh,
2: um When you were drawing the, the line for, from fear to hope, you said, uh, I don't have the privilege of despair.
0: Yeah. Uh, can you explain that further? So basically uh, that despair is not an option. We are not allowed despair. By saying I don't have the privilege of despair just makes it sound a lot more cool. I'm saying it is it is a privilege to to actually choose despair. But I even though those are the cool words, um, but I'm meaning it wholeheartedly. Okay, so finishing off, because I have to run to the next class. What do we have now so far in Ali Imran? First part, we said that we are seeing that Allah is saying that he is free to do as he wills. Yeah. And, and then out of generosity, he is giving us guidance. And one of the honors that we are given is the fact that he's created us, that the fact that he's created us is a, human, a humongous thing. And then in contrast, what is at the core of kufr? It's love of the self, it's love of the world, and trying to fight against how Allah has operated in reality. And now what we have is we're building up the basic footsteps or the building blocks, I should say, for developing a relationship with Allah. And one element of that is acknowledging the first part about Allah and about rejection. And then we're starting from there with what do we like? Right. And we're saying that's part of my development, more of my relationship with Allah, me figuring out and be honest with myself of what do I like? And then from there developing dua so you can see how those two go together because naturally i pray for what i like not just forgiveness not just top level of paradise you know could be you know, free access to movies so we'll build on this inshallah uh, tomorrow Subhanakallahumma bihamdika nashhadu an la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilaik Subhanakallahumma allahumma bihamdika nashhadu an la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilaik Subhanakallahumma allahumma bihamdika nashhadu an la ilaha illa anta when do be like, may do like me. Allah will reward you all, inshallah. And we'll see you tomorrow. Wassalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh.